This is the seventh episode of Doctor 101, a podcast where we break down the science behind medicine into easily relatable terms, and where we dissect the art of advocating for yourself in a medical setting, such as a doctor's office or hospital. I'm Dr. Rahman, CEO and Chairman at Rode, and as you can tell by the title, today's podcast is about figuring out how to differentiate between the cold and the flu. So let's sit back and relax, or if you're jogging, or driving to work, or wherever you may be listening, and get into this topic. As we all know, the cold and flu are very common, and it's so common that it's estimated that Americans suffer from 1 billion colds a year, with each adult suffering from 2 to 3 colds per year, on average, and children suffering from even more colds than that. Not only do colder months lead to drier nasal passages that allow pathogens, such as cold viruses, to penetrate airways and the rest of the body, but also these viruses easily spread when people tend to stay indoors, especially in daycares and schools with young children who don't like to wash their hands often. Similarly, the flu virus, otherwise known as influenza, behaves in a parallel fashion, and in the 2017-2018 season, the flu was responsible for over 80,000 deaths in the United States alone, according to the CDC. As a relatively healthy individual, one may think very little of a cold or flu. But for those that are immunocompromised, meaning that their immune system is compromised or weakened for one reason or another, a virus can be fatal. We know that in general, as people age, the immune system begins to slowly deteriorate. And this reason helps us understand why 90% of the 80,000-plus flu deaths last season were seen in the elderly. The majority of the remaining 10% were babies and children. And this is because, since their bodies are still developing, so is their immune system, which quite hasn't uh, learned how to fight off viruses and infections. Others who may be immunocompromised include those with AIDS undergoing a transplant, or those with certain congenital diseases, whereby their immune system is underdeveloped since birth. Moving on, let's create a hypothetical example of Mr. Jones, a 65-year-old male who presents to the office with fever, chills, sore throat, body aches, headache, and cough. Now, in reality, a patient might just have one or two symptoms, and probably won't present with this laundry list of problems. But the point here is that memorizing a list of symptoms for a cold or flu will not work in the hopes of reaching a diagnosis. I know some sources will say if sore throat is present, it's more likely a cold, or if a headache is present, it's more likely the flu. But what do we do if both are present? All this can get pretty confusing. But one trick I do like to use is to ask, do you have body aches and fatigue? Now, although it's quite possible to be tired and have some pain during a cold, because obviously the patient is ill, the body aches and fatigue in a flu are much more severe and has a faster onset, where it's so painful and tiring just getting out of bed. This severe fatigue and muscle aches, plus a higher than a low-grade fever, which is anything above 100.4 degrees Fahrenheit, pretty much leads you to a flu diagnosis. And something less severe and slower onset than this, but with similar symptoms, leads you to the cold direction. And as a side note, a fever of 103 or above at any time, even if it may or may not be the cold or flu, means one should be thinking of heading to the emergency department. 
Also, sometimes allergies can also be confused with the cold or flu. But that's another topic we discussed in the last episode. But for a quick recap, in an allergic reaction, although you might see some of the symptoms we mentioned here, there is some, more often than not, some history of a trigger, itching, hives, redness, and swelling. All of these symptoms that help us differentiate between allergies from other conditions. So in our case with Mr. Jones, if he is otherwise healthy, I wouldn't necessarily consider him elderly since sometimes 70-year-olds are healthier than many 50-year-olds, but I would gently remind Mr. Jones to be more careful about future colds and flu symptoms since he is aging. He must be prepared as early as the beginning of October as that is when the flu season starts for everybody. If he's a smoker, we must encourage him to stop as usual during every office visit, but it's important to, at the very least, cut down while he's trying to recover from the cold or flu. Also, it's important to tell him, like all cold and flu sufferers, to recover at home and avoid public places, including going to work while he's sick, not really because of the severity of his symptoms, but because of risk of spreading it to others, which is an important public health concern. Next, this leaves us with one big question that eventually ties into the treatment, and that is, when I have cold and flu symptoms, should I go to the doctor or not? The first thing I must say is that if anyone has any doubts about any condition, then of course, go see a primary care clinician. A clinician will be much better equipped to understand and diagnose a cold or flu, not because they have some sort of psychic powers or they're smarter than everyone else, but simply because of the sheer number of patients they see every day. With their vast experiences and knowing what kind of bugs are spreading in the community and the symptoms they are causing, they're able to best be diagnosticians. Now with that said, those who are in tune with their bodies and are able to track their symptoms will start to notice that the cold and flu symptoms we mentioned can up can come up gradually over days, which is more likely to be a cold, or very rapidly within hours, which is more likely the flu. This is important because you may notice symptoms of feeling sick before it actually happens. For example, personally, I always get the chills and a slight cough before an actual cold starts. I know many people who don't like to take medications unless they're really sick, and they feel it's unnecessary to take extra medications. But in this case of the cold or the flu, it is very important to start the medications as soon as the first symptoms start to prevent the problem from getting worse and out of control. There are quite a few brand names to choose from when browsing the cold and flu over-the-counter section of the pharmacy that don't require a prescription. And a personal favorite of mine is DayQuil. And this is a combination of acetaminophen, dextromethorphan, and phenylephrine. All three parts are very important in broadly covering cold and flu symptoms. So these three parts are 1. Acetaminophen, the active ingredient in Tylenol, used for fever reduction and pain relief. 2. Dextromethorphan, a common ingredient in cough medicines. And 3. Phenylephrine, a nasal decongestant that also helps clear up clogged sinuses. So that's DayQuil. 
NyQuil is similar to DayQuil in that it contains the acetaminophen and dextromethorphan, but it also contains doxylamine, an antihistamine that helps when falling asleep. Both Day and NyQuil come in severe formulations with added drugs to help clear congestion in the airways. Similar drugs in other brands include Delsum, Mucinex, Sudafed, and Theraflu, but it's important to check the box to see if it mentions cold and flu relief to make sure you're not getting something else and check the appropriate dosing. The great thing about these over-the-counter drugs is that they treat symptoms and not the specific condition, so it proves helpful and beneficial in both the cold and the flu. Now I do want to make a distinction between the last drug I mentioned, Theraflu, which is one of the over-the-counter medications that help with cold and flu symptoms, and another drug, Tamiflu, which is very different and is a prescription drug. Whereas all the previous over-the-counter drugs mentioned treated cold and flu symptoms, Tamiflu, the new drug here we're talking about, only works on the flu as a neuraminidase inhibitor, which in simplified terms means that the drug stops the reproducing of the flu virus inside the body. There is a little bit of controversy in the scientific community with Tamiflu, but it is FDA approved, and what is abundantly clear is that Tamiflu is useful in high-risk individuals, those we mentioned that were immunocompromised, and those who are likely to develop secondary infections, such as sinusitis, pneumonia, or organ failure, and two, it's also useful in otherwise healthy individuals in the first 48 hours. Here, again, we see how important it is to recognize your own body, because the more time that has passed after the first two days after the flu symptoms begin, the less likely Tamiflu will work. Should someone realize that they are indeed suffering from the flu and can only make it to their healthcare provider for a prescription after the initial 48 hours, there's little that can be done for the flu except for symptomatic relief with over-the-counter medications previously mentioned. The last topic within the cold and flu discussion that I want to touch upon is home remedies, which, when used in conjunction with typical pharmaceuticals already mentioned, can provide temporary relief. Number one, as per usual in these podcasts, is hydration. Drinking plenty of fluids helps filter out unwanted sickness through the urine and out of the body. Remedies such as hot tea, honey, lemon, ginger provide antioxidants, especially needed during a cold or flu. Plus, the heat from hot tea or soup helps decongest upper airways. Gargling with warm salt water can clear up the throat and ears, while sucking on drops and throat lozenges can soothe coughs and sore throats. A neti pot that irrigates the nose can clear up stuffiness and ease post-nasal drip. Warm compresses help soothe sinus pains and headaches. One question I get all the time is what's the deal with vitamin C? Although vitamin C is not proven to shorten the duration of a cold or flu, it does have diuretic effects, helping urinate out the sickness. Hopefully with these tips, along with over-the-counter and prescription medications for the cold and flu, symptoms can be kept under control. With that, this brings us to the end of this short yet very important episode. 
I know I skipped around between the cold and flu a bit, so feel free to rewind and re-listen to parts of this episode you might not have gotten the first time around. If you're enjoying this, please don't forget to rate this podcast. Also, I'm happy to take your questions on Twitter at AskDoctor101 or email me at AskDR101 at gmail.com. I just have a short message from our sponsor, Dr. Dermacare, a skincare clinic for your skincare needs, including microdermabrasion, permanent hair removal, chemical peels, dermaplaning, and so much more. They're located in Peekskill, New York. Call 877-266-0300. That's 877-266-0300 today for more information and schedule an appointment. Thanks for listening.